Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Acts, chapter 24. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 24. We'll be beginning in verse 10 this morning. That's the book of Acts, chapter 24. And give me an amen once you are there. Father, we thank you again this morning for your grace, your love, and your mercy in our lives. You're the one true living God. You made the heavens and the earth, the oceans, and all the living creatures, Lord. And you made each and every one of us. You say in your word that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're grateful, Lord, that in this fallen world, you have sent your son Jesus to save us, Lord, from our sins so that we can have eternal life. And we pray for all those that are here uh, this morning and those who are watching or will watch or hear later on that, Lord, you would minister to all of our hearts, no matter where we're at, Lord. We pray for salvation. We pray for those who don't know you, that they would come to know you, that hard hearts would be cracked open, and that you would give soft hearts, Lord, pliable, able to receive your word. We ask that you'd bind the enemy, and that your word that goes forth would, would go by your spirit. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. And so the Apostle Paul, as you know, uh, here in the book of Acts, he's before Antonius uh, Felix, which is the governor of Judea, and Paul is in chains. He's there in that beautiful governor's headquarters of Caesarea, on the shore there of the Mediterranean, about 65, 70 miles from Jerusalem. Paul was arrested falsely, as you know, in Jerusalem because the Jews from Asia had seen him at the feast there, and they incited the crowds against him. They said that he was preaching against the law of Moses. They said that he was desecrating the temple there in Jerusalem. They thought it was he who had brought Gentile into the inner courts where only the Israelites were able to go. But all of those were lies. They just wanted him dead because the gospel of Jesus Christ is an offense to this world. And we know that we know the gospel's an offense. He's arrested because of his faith in Jesus Christ. His heart was to minister to his own there in Jerusalem, the religious headquarters of Judaism, but they didn't receive him. And they were going to tear him to shreds. They beat him down. They did. They got a hold of him and they beat him. Romans went down there because they're totally against riots, right? And so they went down there. And the commander, Lysias, when he found out that Paul was a Roman, changed his whole attitude because he was just going to have this man scourged, whipped, to find out what the melee was all about. An innocent man, not even charged. But when Paul let him know that he was a Roman, then Lysias backed down and he was afraid because he's a fellow Roman citizen and you're about to to scourge scourge an uncondemned Roman. So he changed his whole attitude and the Jews had a plot to kill Paul and so Lysias, wanting to protect Paul, sent him to the governor Felix down to Caesarea by night. That's what we read about last time. And so he's there in Caesarea now, and his trial 
were right in the middle of it. After he arrived, five days later, the high priest came down with pomp and circumstance from Jerusalem to Caesarea with a hotshot lawyer who began to just uh, accuse Paul before the governor Felix and say all kinds of horrible things about him, lies, calling him a plague, calling him the ringleader of the sect called Nazarene. So Paul responds now, and that's where we're at. We're right here, verse 10. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, And as much as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And I think there's something to be noted here about Paul being, you know, more than happy to defend himself. He's being persecuted for his love of Jesus Christ. We know that when he was in the Roman barracks there at the Antonia Fortress in Jerusalem, when he was there, the Lord stood by him and said, Paul, be of good cheer, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so you shall bear witness of me in Rome. So Paul knows that his chains, that everything that's happening to him is divinely by the will of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's there because of Jesus. And so he's cheerful or happy to speak for himself because he knows that it's an opportunity for him to share Jesus Christ with Felix, who is a pagan governor, who is known for being a terrible man himself. And he also has the religious Jews who have come down. And so he's more than happy to understand that this is an opportunity. And for those of us today, with everything that's going on in our country, and there is persecution rising in our country, as you know, against the church, against Christians, against our morals, our country is degrading more and more by the minute. We are appalled at what we are hearing in the media concerning the way they are indoctrinating children, the way the sexual immoral books are being taught to little kids. It's pedophilia is what it is. And our government is doing nothing. This country is crazy. People are upset because of the morals that God has given us in our hearts that we know are true. He who makes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and to throw themselves in the ocean. God loves children and I see what's going on. And, and with what's going on, the, the craziness that's going on, the immorality, we need to understand that we're in this situation just like Paul's in his situation by the divine will of Jesus Christ. He saved us for such a time as this to be able to see this craziness as an opportunity for us to stand for what's biblically moral. What does Jesus have to say about these issues? He has a lot to say. The Bible says that he came into the world and he preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So it's not time for us Christians to be discouraged or be in despair. My goodness, this is an opportunity. We, like Paul, should say, I will cheerily give you my opinion as to what's going on. This is a fallen world. And Jesus Christ said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's an opportunity. The times are dark, but the light is far more greater. 
So he's happy and he says, because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city, nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. That's a beautiful thing. He says, I'm not guilty of the things that they're saying I'm guilty of. But one thing I do confess in, one thing I do confess is that I do worship the God of my fathers. That statement as a Jewish Christian, for him to say that I, I do, I confess, I worship the God of our fathers, of my fathers. He's saying this in front of the high priests and the religious leaders. That's weighty that means everything to them he's saying like i'm jewish like them i was religious like them and i worship the same god the god of our fathers and he says uh, concerning the scriptures that he believes in them the law and the prophets he believes and in other words i believe the same scriptures as they do i believe in the the same god as they do the jews believe do believe in the god of abraham of isaac and Jacob, and of Moses, they do. And they believe in the scriptures. But they are blinded, the Bible tells us, to what the law and the prophets have to say about Jesus Christ. They are blinded. There's a veil. The Bible says that every Sabbath, in every synagogue, Moses is preached. But there is a veil they cannot see. And Paul would say they cannot see because of unbelief. Jesus said in John 5, verse 39, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And so Jesus made it clear to the religious Jews, you do search the scriptures, Right? There is value to them. They kept the precepts. They literally, physically kept them for us. The, the Jews, they have the oracles of God. God blessed them for that. God chose them to that hard task. They know the scriptures. That Moses has read every Shabbat. And Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think in doing so you have eternal life. But they testify of me. That statement's amazing. The Bible says in Hebrews that in the volume of the book, it is written of me. This whole book points to Jesus Christ. And oh, I wish some churches in America would repent for just teaching the New Testament, saying that people are, cannot bear with such teaching of Old Testament word. It's, it's such a knock on the Lord. But they believe in Yahweh. They believe in Moses, but they, just, they don't know it. But they're dishonoring Yahweh because they reject the Son of Yahweh. They reject the Son of God. And so for Paul to say what he's saying is a beautiful thing. He's, he's using his Jewish connection, his roots in Scripture to say, yeah, you know, I confess, I, I believe, I worship the God of my fathers. And I believe in the law and in the prophets. I believe the Bible. I worship the God of our fathers, my fathers, our fathers. You see, the Jews, both at that time 
and even today, have always believed that their Messiah would come as a conquering hero to fix their problems militarily, to clean house and establish a kingdom of Israel on earth. This is their thoughts on the Messiah. During Jesus' time, they felt if the Messiah was going to come, surely he would come and destroy the oppressors, the Roman Empire, and establish Israel as a kingdom there and then. You see, they knew the scriptures, but they had unbelief concerning the reality of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Even though the scriptures made it clear that he was not, the Messiah was not going to come the first time as a conquering hero, as far as conquering militarily, establishing the kingdom on earth, but he was coming as a humble hero to die on the cross to conquer sin and death. They had Zechariah chapter 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. That's the prophecy of Jesus. He's coming lowly, and it's told to Israel, rejoice, rejoice, because your king is coming, and he's bringing with him salvation. Not from the Romans, but from your sins. And just like the Jews who are blinded to the truth of the scriptures, so are so many in the world today. So blinded at the reality of who Jesus is. They do not believe in him for various reasons. Some will even dare to inquire of him in hopes that he might fix all of their earthly problems. Right? How many people just will say, you know, will show curiosity in Christianity, curiosity in Jesus Christ, when times are tough, when their lives are broken and messed up, but in their heart, they just want him to fix their problems. They don't really want to repent of their sins. Jesus came to fix our sin problem. That, in God's estimation, is this world's greatest problem, is sin. And until a person comes to the acknowledgement that their greatest need and brokenness should be over their own sinfulness. So they're not coming to Jesus Christ for a new car, a new house, a new relationship. They're coming to Christ because they realize that they are wearied from their sins. They're wearied from the hopelessness of this fallen world and that they have sinned against God. Then they come to Christ and that's where true salvation meets because Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. If he came to fix everybody's life, he just would have came and fixed everybody's earthly, physical issue, lives, and that would have been it. But it is a spiritual issue. Isaiah 53, we know it well. It's one of our greatest chapters in the Bible, for it speaks of Jesus on the cross and his suffering for our sins. In Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5, it says that he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's a a beautiful word that they've had. They had the, the law and the prophets, yet they did not want to believe that the Messiah would come and suffer. They just felt like if God, the Savior of Israel, was to come, he will come to fix our earthly problems. And Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. That's the greatest need and the greatest problem. But they don't see it. I have heard, I have learned recently, that in the synagogues around the world, that the book of Isaiah is not read. That the book of Isaiah is being neglected. And I saw a program where this young Jewish Christian was interviewing religious Jews in Jerusalem about the book of Isaiah. And he quoted what I quoted this morning, and they had never heard it read in their synagogues because it's so powerful about the reality of the Messiah suffering. This is by determination of the enemy, right? Israel is always on our hearts, but it seems like Israel is more heavy on our hearts today than ever before. I I say that because the rapture is heavy on our hearts like never before. What more can you think when you see everything that's going on? Things are are so immoral, so backwards. Freedoms are being taken all over the world. We're in a fight for our freedom in our country, without a doubt. I mean, Lord Jesus, come like never before, Lord. It's heavy on our hearts. But see, if if the rapture comes, which it can come, which the next big prophetic event is the rapture of the church, the taking away, the saving of those who believe in Christ before his judgment comes. If that were to take place, it would probably be the most detrimental event in human history for the planet Earth. Uh, other than the flood. Big three, right? <laughs> I thought of the flood, and it's like, yeah, that's big too. But if you think about it, all Christians gone, all children gone to be with the Lord. But those who have rejected him are left. And I think of Israel, and it's heavy on our hearts because we know that God is not done with them, but we know that their future is a tough one, to say the least. It's going to be tough some believe that the antichrist will basically do another holocaust with the jews that it'll be detrimental in romans 11 paul would say in verse 25 for i do not desire brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to israel until the fullness of the gentiles has come in there is a blindness But it's not forever. It's only until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That is the church. We are in the church age. And when the last person gives their life to Jesus Christ, takes place that is accounted, predestined for them to get saved, they get saved. Last person on the book of life list, we are out. We are gone. And the Antichrist will then be revealed. And he is going to establish a one world government, a one world religion. You cannot buy or sell without his mark, the mark of the beast, either on your right hand or on your forehead. And we see with all of these mandates and passport, vaccine passports, come, it's just conditioning. But thank God the Bible says we have not been appointed to wrath. We have not been appointed to wrath. So the rapture 
can come at any moment and I'll do more of a better job by his by God's grace to continue to remind you to be ready if we can do that here at Sweet Hills then when we get to heaven you know we can high five each other but it says um you know Paul says that he does not want us to be ignorant concerning Israel so we keep an eye on Israel because God is not finished he's not through with Israel uh, in Romans 11, the rhetorical question is asked, is God done with his people? And he asks, answers the question, certainly not. No way. Romans 11, 4, 5, Paul says, but what does the divine response say? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There were Christian believers at the time of Christ, Paul, Christian, Christian Jewish believers now, and there will be future Christian Jewish believers coming into the faith. But it's going to be a very tough road. And so they're heavy on my heart. And I think they should be heavy on all of our hearts for a long time because it's until it, we go and be with the Lord to really focus on praying for Israel. The Bible says that he will bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel. The Antichrist, as you know, when he's revealed, he's going to make uh, some sort of treaty to be able to construct the third temple for the Jews in Jerusalem. The second temple was destroyed by General Titus, as you know, Jesus said, as the disciples were showing them the beautiful stones and buildings in the temple, he says, I assure you, not one stone will be left upon another. And in 70 AD, General Titus went in there, the Romans went in there, and they besieged. It was a bloody war. It was horrific how General Titus and the Romans took over Jerusalem and knocked down those buildings. Guys, they say conservatively 600,000 Jews were killed. It was a fight. I always look at it like, oh, there was a few rebels that were like in the temple who fought, tried to fight off the Romans. No, it was uh, the, the three walls that were there within the city of Jerusalem. Everyone fought. Everyone fought. It was blood. And the prophecy that Jesus said came true. So the Antichrist is going to go in there once this treaty is made and the religious Jews will be deceived in thinking that he is their Messiah. If you ask religious Jews today why they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah, they'll say, he hasn't built us our temple. And if you go to Jerusalem today, there is a museum called the Temple Institute that you can go there where they have all of the utensils and all of the furnishings that they're preparing for the third temple to be built. Their future is a very troubled one. But we need to pray for Israel, for Jerusalem, because God's going to do an amazing work with them. During the Great Tribulation, a whole gang of them are going to come to know Jesus Christ. They're going to realize uh, when uh, the Antichrist goes into that new temple and desecrates it, they're going to know that they were deceived. And that is what Jesus said in Mark 13, 14, 19. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant 
and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter, for in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. So it's going to be tough, you see. But in the book of Revelation, there's some good points to their future. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, you see beautiful 144,000 Jewish men. It says, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Isn't that beautiful? 144,000. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman, above.